Hello. So I am back and starting this up again. Uh, I never properly told myself I'd finished it. I just got quite busy with work and trying out my new sort of nine to five life and getting used to that and adapting to that. And um, yeah, I couldn't really, couldn't really carry it on the way I wanted to do. Um, but no, I want to get back to it. Uh, Noisy Hadja podcast. It is finding my voice and all that, strengthening my voice, I guess. Um, and I do wonder if it's just a, uh, a response to the last few years, lockdown, all that kind of thing, of <clears throat> of feeling like, feeling quite empty and quiet. It's been very weird. My head has felt full. My head has felt full of everything, you know, constant whirring of thoughts, but actually... My voice, my heart, my soul has felt quite blocked, I suppose. Um, which is not the same as empty. Blocked and empty are probably two different things. But it was simultaneously blocked and empty, I guess. And I did find it helpful and enjoyable to just every week just speak about what's been going on. I liked having the uh, interviews and I'll probably try and start those up again and actually get guests and all that. But I've um, just been for a walk with, with my partner, Curtis. Uh, it's a nice, warmer day today. It's, what, the 1st of May. We're finally, finally getting, like, 18 degrees. Woo! Um, finally getting some warmer weather. Isn't that one of the most repeated phrases we have uh, when it starts to get into spring properly? Um, anyway, so, yeah, we went for a little walk in Holesall Common, and I was talking through what I want to do and how my head's feeling with comedy and you know what even am I doing feeling so disconnected from a world that you're trying to be part of but also not really you know making strides or moves to fully immerse yourself in it and um feeling like oh you know am I a bit of a joke um ironically um but also these labels that I've always grown up sort of obsessed with um, and, and finding a label that, that works or that fits and never really giving any of them probably the chance um, and also not defining myself by those labels properly internally. You sort of go, oh, I'm a writer or I'm a singer or I'm a comedian or I'm this, that and the other. And of course it doesn't really matter, especially if you're waiting for someone else to make you feel like you um, fit in. Um, anyway, that is not really, I don't know if it's relevant or not, but... Um, <laughs> This will not be edited. I'm trying, like I think I said before, I'm trying not to edit um, myself so much. Um, and honestly, when I listen to some of these other podcasts and they're really, really enjoyable and people just let themselves talk, let themselves think, let themselves process ideas. And for some reason, I'm just like, oh, I need to take rid of, you know, get rid of that bit. And why did I say that? Um, it's this constant expectation to be polished. But I'm trying to live life a little bit more. Um, you know, inside out and a bit more one way. It's like, what do you want to get out of it? And I do sometimes wonder if this is something to do with um, women or age. Um, if you have been raised in any sort of families or environments where looks are really important and holding on to your youth is really important and you get to a certain age and you think, oh, I've got to really focus on my enjoyment of the world. Otherwise, I'm going to completely miss out on it. Um, I think as I spoke before about how women, um, you know, want to be watched. There's, there's this, um, 
it was a documentary and the, the write-up on it was was about you know women wanting to be watched by men um and I very definitely have internalized a lot of ideas like that um but yeah of course you get to a point where there's no one watching so what are you looking at basically what what do I want to watch what do I want to enjoy um and although you know I'm not saying I've lived my life not enjoying things it's not that but that that consistency of are you getting up every day going asking yourself how can I enjoy this day what will it do for me um selfishly and there was that Jim Carrey um address he gave to like uh, some graduation thing and um you know he's saying life is for you life is for you so what am I doing which which can be quite a um disappointing in a way if you're used to like these highs of youth and these highs and lows and dopamine hits and all that kind of thing and and yeah you're not gonna get that that's not what life is gonna be it's not gonna be this endless cycle of um crazy crazy highs and if you're chasing that that's not obviously going to be fulfilling in the long term um but it's yeah what what gives you that either you know you can feel feel exhilaration and enjoyment and um, excitement and all that but what ultimately will give you that that sort of peace um anyway five minutes of uh rambling so last night i stayed up until 6 30 in the morning just watching netflix but it wasn't um i think it's because i was i was really into um working moms working moms uh, which is this canadian uh tv series by katherine reitman reitman and it's really hilarious and it was the final season and I watched it in two, two parts basically and finished that off at like 11 o'clock last night and then up comes, oh, would you like to watch Firefly Lane? And Firefly Lane, I watched the first half of the second season, which is the final season. I watched the first half of that um, in December, I think. And I've been waiting for this second half to come out. So I uh, literally watched that until 6.30, <laughs> just stuck to the sofa. And yes, yeah, so I've been very sleepy today. I sort of slept until 11 and then I had another nap in the afternoon. Um, oh, it's the snooker on now actually as well. It's Mark Selby vinyl. Um, so my, I was napping to the snooker earlier, so that's reminded me. Um, but yeah, Firefly Lane, it's that woman from Scrubs. Can't remember her name. Let me have a look. Um, yeah, it was the woman from Scrubs and uh, Catherine Hagel. And I watched it. I started watching it in December on the train to La Rochelle, actually. Um, and I think I spent that trip watching it um, as well as enjoying, you know, the world around me. That's Sarah Chalk. That's it. And she, Sarah Chalk and Catherine Hagel. And um, yeah, and I watched like one and a half series um, back in December. And it's essentially about a friendship, um, a central female friendship um, that, you know, starts at like, I think, 15, 16. And you get multiple timelines, um, like when they're in their late teens and early 20s and um, or mid to late 20s, I guess. And then when they're in their 40s and you, it's constantly cycling through these three timelines and it uses that lovely sort of 70s hazy glow um so you know where you are and i was just crying all the way through when i watched it last night um because obviously it's a 
central relationship and you know uh, nothing nothing can last forever and obviously I was putting you know my friends and myself in those roles and just that um that power that power of female friendship and you do have it you have this sense you always have this sense I know like if you're partnered up you're like oh I never want to live without you and yes fair enough but there's something about a friend that you could lose everyone else around you but if you have that friend in the nursing home playing dominoes like you I genuinely feel like there's nothing I can't get through without a couple of friends in a way that I've never felt about romantic relationships and that's not to um, say anything negative about my romantic relationship but you know everything if you have a good friend and there's no judgment and that's you know you care for each other's souls and you can have those open conversations and and even argue but um, especially when you get to your 30s you're able to argue better you're able to talk through things properly and care about the other person's feelings and all this sort of thing and it's a, such a powerful powerful thing to have and yeah I was just crying all the way through it just imagining any of my friends you know particularly Hannah and yeah it's it was such a yeah very very emotional thing for me and I just couldn't stop watching so I you know you're on the sofa and I was like suddenly oh it's 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 daylight now and it's yeah so I went to bed at 6 30 what's been going on since I last did this like when did I last record this I'm gonna have a look it look it up I think my last one oh, it was November November 11th Ep- I did 10 episodes oh that's good ah so I did it before my work in progress well that went very well my work in progress there's not been so much progress on that work in progress quite funny going oh I've got work in progress I was like and how is that coming along oh yeah it's it's a you know always going to be a work in progress did I spend my 20s always working on a book and now I'm spending my 30s always working on a uh, a stage work in progress a stage a theater I don't know whatever comedy show um well, anyway, it went really well um, for, for what it was. I had, I think, two or three songs in there. It was 30 minutes. Some uh, some of the jokes worked. Some weren't that funny. Um, I really haven't developed a lot of it. Um, I haven't been gigging. I haven't, you know, done a crazy amount of work on everything. And I really, really need to. But um, I need momentum. But for me, whenever I start doing anything... I need like a few weeks of gigs in the bank to feel like, yeah, we're going into something. We're getting into a routine and it's just not happening at the moment. I sort of message people and no one gets back to me or I try for certain nights and nothing happens. And um, and I know that 10, I've got it, you know, that's the the 10 I did at Soho Theatre. Oh, that's another thing. March I did Soho Theatre, but um, back to that later. You know, I share these these clips and it's like, I know they're, they're funny, funny enough. Um, but yeah, I'm not quite being able to able to try out everything um part of me is wondering whether I just keep doing these lovely little zoom things that my girlfriends helped me with so before a funny women uh, semi-final last year I uh did a couple of zoom uh, uh yeah zoom shows and asked like I think 10 15 women were listening and gave me their thoughts which was really helpful maybe I'll do that again instead of I don't know. Anyway, um, what was my point? Yeah, work in progress went really well. And I 
then took ten, the best 10 minutes of that and put that into my Soho Theatre 10, which was part of the Weapons of Mass Hilarity uh, show for sort of Middle Eastern performers. And that was in March. And it was four weeks after surgery because I, um, at the beginning of January, I finally got a call saying that my surgery, I had a surgery date for my knee, for my ACL, something anterior cruciate ligament. That's like the, the middle ligament, basically in your knee and I damaged that two years ago and I finally had surgery yeah end of January so I had three and a half weeks notice maybe three weeks notice and so I'm still I've got a long way to go recovering from that but I did my Soho theatre gig uh, on not on crutches I w- was was still on crutches but I wasn't on them for the 10 minutes that I was performing mainly because I couldn't think of anything funny enough to say about crutches and they'd be so distracting I think yeah it would have been it would have yeah totally taken away from everything else I was trying to say and that's that's the thing with like like with comedy obviously you're meant to point out the elephant in the room or point out um the obvious thing about you so if you've got like a big nose or you're crazy tall or whatever but me I don't think there's anything that like yeah interesting like physically that people can see about me so part of me is like do I need to dress a certain way I don't know so I, I don't have that. It's like some, and that's it's a really good way of getting people to laugh at you if you have a really good first intro line about how you look. Or well, who is it? Um, she she's in politics and was a comedian, but she always called herself like the love child of Felicity Kendall and someone else. And and I love those things. Oh, that, and there's AJ Rose who talks about like being a brown Mister Bean, um, because it's one of those things where you don't necessarily if you haven't necessarily thought about it, but as soon as they say it, then you see it and it makes sense. And that's. Um, that's where like a lot of the the laughs are. Um, but anyway, yeah, with with something like crutches, it's it's not permanent, so there's no there was no really point in me. I could have said stuff, but so I did that, and it went really really well. Really really lovely audience. It was a full room um, at Soho Theatre upstairs. It was like what hundred people. Um, really nice laughs um, and some laughs at places that I didn't think were funny at all. Yeah, but I haven't. I haven't actually done much since then. I've just got my monthly night, which is selling selling very well. I think it sells out four weeks in advance now. So that's really, really cool. To the, It's going so well, I'm sort of thinking, oh, should I try and put on bigger nights at other places? Or, you know, how we, what can I do with it? But then you're like, is this a distraction? Or is this what you really want to do? Something I've never quite figured out, especially when it comes to admin, because I bloody love admin. I'm so good at booking things and working out travel and transport and all this kind of thing so <sighs> but it's probably not where my potential is best used um especially as all that stuff can be well it's all going to be automated in it in the future anyway right what was i saying 15 minutes of kind of an update i have been doing <laughs> so someone was asking me you know when people say oh have you have you ever thought about therapy and my answer to that is yes i'm currently getting coaching through work cbt through my insurance and um, some ADHD kind of energy tapping psychotherapy at the moment. So at the moment we are exploring lots of things, but it's a weird type of uh, therapy because I, I think the first time I, the first time I got counselling or it was psychotherapy through uni, it was like I just kept feeling shit, and I knew there was stuff I had to work through. This wasn't going to therapy and being like, oh, I um didn't know I had daddy issues, you know. <laughs> And yeah, I did that back when I was like 18, 19. Incidentally, first person to ever call me a cock tease was my counsellor. So maybe something to unpack 
at a later date in uh, <laughs> in comedy. Um, I'm not, wasn't. Yeah, she. It was like she. I remember talking about. Yeah, I don't really feel comfortable having sex because I don't really want to. I'm not sure I want to, but you know. But I do other things as most like girls, you know, going to uni do. And she was like, "Oh, so you're a cock tease?" <laughs> like, um, never heard that word before, but thank you, therapist. And then after that, ended up doing way more with men than I had intended to because she, I had her voice at the back of my mind saying, "You don't want to be a cock tease, basically." Not that she said use those words, but. That was the implication I took for it. So there we go. If I was a slut in my 20s, it was my therapist's fault. Anyway, yeah, but like when you do therapy like that, it's sort of, um, you feel like there's something to fix. There's there, You're in the middle of something and it could just be all in your head or it could be an actual environmental thing or a situation trying to work your way through. But yeah, I, I kind of got to 18 and it was very early days of therapy. It wasn't the sort of thing you talked about. And I very definitely remember talking about it in the way that some attention seeking girls might do to feel like they're in a movie it's like oh my god I'm getting therapy um I'm so special and that so I definitely had an edge of that it was like someone's trying to work me out aren't I lucky and it's just another way of feuding your own narcissism and attention seeking but then over the years I sort of got a couple of other bits um because you, you start off doing the obvious parent and then you find out oh the other one's got some <laughs> got some explaining to do too but this time, I think it's just, it's post lockdown. It's I get free sessions through my insurance through work. And it's kind of just more an exploratory thing because, you know, stuff just doesn't feel quite right. Not, nothing feels quite right. And it could be, it's just hard to know. It's hard to know where that comes from because there's been so much change over the last two, three years and sense of instability. And so... Yeah, I'm kind of getting CBT because I know there's lots of negative patterns to to fight against, like constant negative self-talk. But yeah, anyway, the energy tapping thing is is sort of quite out there. But um, I sort of did did a couple of sessions last year, and then I've had a few more this year. And it's I don't know if it's bullshit. I don't know, but it doesn't feel like it. And I'm I'm not very good at like, you know, like all my friends, well, a lot of my friends, if they're looking at anything, skincare products, a, right, a good washing machine, therapy, whatever, they they will look in depth at what stuff is and be like, oh, and it's all about this and, da, 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 and it works for me. Whereas I'm like, yeah, sure, let's give it a go. So I, I never get, I never sort of get fully immersed um, in the details or, or even understand what's going on. But with energy, um, tapping therapy yeah you know I'm gonna look it up because this is this is very silly when I'm actually getting something and I don't really know what's going on what does he call it? energy psychology energy psychotherapy allows traumas and other adverse experiences to be addressed rapidly and safely with much less danger of the client becoming overwhelmed interesting such methods are effective in alleviating PTSD anxiety depression addictive cravings and physical pain um, and there's a bit on ADHD here as well now, yeah, it's the the man who does this. His name's Phil Mullen, and he's this lovely, lovely gentleman in I don't know, probably his late sixties or something. He's very sort of a slight figure, and um, I meet him in Harley Street, and he is very, very gentle, and will sort of look at you, and not in the way that counsellors look at you, like waiting for you to say something and making you uncomfortable, uh, but just in a very compassionate way. So. It's really interesting to me. You kind of tap, I don't know, they call them meridian points. You tap like your forehead, you tap under your eyes, you tap your collarbones, you tap your 
um, your hand. Um, and the idea that is while you're saying things out loud. So, for example, I, what would you say? Um, I accept myself, you say. Even though I feel insecure about X, Y and Z, I fully accept myself. And that's meant to sort of release some kind of thing in your body that does that. But also, say there's, say you have a feeling. So, for example, for me, I know I have an issue with men and I really, really struggle with men. In a weird way, because because we always have these societal ideas where it's like, well, how much should we be dealing with men anyway? I've got the Muslim side of it. It's like, well, you should kind of only have female friends anyway and not worry too much about men. And you should kind of keep your distance and be a bit more professional, whatever. And then I've got my the person I am who's very social and wants to make connections and friendships with people. And then you've got the the girl who wants to who thinks her role is just to please men and flirt with men and all that kind of thing because I've just always been so aware of what men want and need that I realize I make these tiny micro adjustments depending on every single man I'm around which is crazy but that is where we are um so for example if I say oh I think I've got some stuff around men he will get me to say something out loud while doing these taps so I'll be tapping on my head and it's something simple like all the times where I have felt I don't know, humiliated by a man. And then while you're tapping, the idea is that you're tapping and you just naturally start to think about relevant times in your life where you felt this humiliation or whatever. And then you express that and then you talk about what happened there. So it's kind of your body's accessing stuff that you might not necessarily be aware of. Now, my problem is that when I do this, because I wrote like a memoir in my 20s, I have trodden the same old ground over and over so I have like a full pack of evidence for everything for every theme in my life really I, I know you know where all these themes come from and I've I, I can access these memories quite easily or memories of memories as they may well be but yeah with this sometimes yeah other stuff comes up that I hadn't thought about couldn't remember and it's yeah it's really really interesting and you find sometimes these niche niche experiences already or not niche but like really throwaway experiences that have influenced how you feel about yourself or how you feel about other people anyway that's one part of it another part of it is he helps you connect with how you actually think or feel about something like connecting with your deeper wisdom or your higher wisdom I mean I do believe in that um because we have to surely we have to find some way to connect all parts of us into something coherent Because, yeah, your gut can feel something, your brain can feel something else, you know, your heart can feel something else, whatever. Surely there's a way of merging all those few things. Although I don't know, do we need to? I don't know. Like, can can we live a life where we go, oh, my head's, you know, like R. Kelly. (laughs) My mind is telling me this. The law is telling me that. Um, Yeah, like where your gut is feeling a certain way, but your head is going, look, you can't do anything about that. We're doing this right now. Yeah, do we need to everything to be aligned? It feels like we should instinctively, but... I don't know. Um, But yeah, so the other bit that he'll do to connect you with like your higher wisdom, it's like he'll hold your wrist while you're saying something and he will feel for certain changes in your, I don't know, muscles, like tiny little, tiny little shifts. So for example, the main thing we've been talking about last week was, yeah, how I deal with men because I I really struggle to um, deal with men at work. And I like them. Like I instinctively just like all of them. Like, oh, what are you doing for me? How do I please you? How do I make you happy? How do I do this and that? And I, and I have a male boss and he's very, you know, he's my age as well. So I, I don't know how to, because the last time I had a male boss, he became a very, a very good friend for years and years. 
So this one, I'm like, do I, I don't know how to be friendly without being flirty? How do I be professional without being a bitch? Like, I'm always like, what does he want from me? And you really lose that. Yeah, well, you know, what What do I want or who am I anyway? Again, I think this is a post-lockdown thing. We haven't been able to, we haven't had imprints of other people on us properly for so long that some of us, personality types like me, are struggling to know where our, yeah, what, what our imprinted personas are that doesn't make sense whatever so he holds my wrist yeah Phil Mullen the psychotherapist uh, will hold my wrist and and I will say something like I believe my purpose in life is to serve men and he'll sort of hold it and be like no that that's a no actually you don't think you want to serve men and so we'll we'll kind of go through a few of these sentences until there's a sentence that my body or my wrist or whatever responds positively to so um he went serve was one of them and he was like um, no that's a no your body's not saying that and then he asked me something else and then it was I feel my role in life is to please men and then my my wrist was like yes <laughs> um so that's what I was doing uh that's what I've been exploring at the moment so I'm trying to trying to see if that is like where that comes out every day and I think knowing it is just in that line so to please men means that hopefully, hopefully, in certain situations with men, especially professionally, I can be like, am I saying this to please him? Am I doing this to delight him, to make him, you know, because uh, for me, yeah, the most important thing is to pander to a man's ego. That's how I've very much been raised. Um, like I've had situations with exes where I've given them money so that they can act like the big shot buying me a drink it, just so they appear like, like so they look good in front of people and you know some might say that's a very good thing a very kind thing but others might be like that's that's insane and why are you putting men you know spending so much energy making sure the man feels really good about himself when you don't um so yes that was really interesting for me to have it phrased in that way even though I knew it but uh yeah so it means that every situation with a man yeah can be like oh are you yeah because I, th I think I get like I get physically awkward and uncomfortable and, and this ties in with the growing up like I'm 37 now if I like I don't look great if I'm trying to look flirty I can't pout I can't be this like um you know cute little thing that's not me anymore I'm like I am a more of a powerful you know powerful woman in my own body you know I feel like I I know more and I don't want that validation and yet my body still responds like that. I sort of get shifty in my seat or I am so aware of what my hair looks like or my face looks like, well, you know, it's, and I, I turn it all back on myself. I'm judging myself because I'm wondering, am I in some way, shape or form pleasing the person, the man, the man I'm speaking to? So that was very interesting for me. <laughs> um, what else do I want to do with this podcast? So I know this is just chatting away. I will. Um, what I'm doing is talking through in next episodes. This is gonna. This is gonna be weekly. It's gonna be weekly. In next episodes, I will be going through jokes. I'm gonna make it a little bit about my um, what I'm working on at the moment, so it helps with my accountability. Also helps with my CBT person's accountability because I think she's getting a bit like pissed off with me because every week I go, yeah, that makes sense, and then I do none of the homework. Um, but this will help me on my, so I have like a good, you know, three hours before I start work. I wake up at six and start at nine. Um, so I'm hoping to at least put aside one hour to do writing and to work through some jokes. 
and doing this every week um I'm, I'm hoping that i can then like talk through some jokes and if you want you can like hear that process for me and how that sounds but mainly it's for me mainly this is very selfish i just want to talk <laughs> yeah because the world has changed and friendship friendship has changed like i have a best friend and we still just like we actually had a phone call for an hour the other week which we hadn't we don't ever do really because it, yeah everything's feels much more insular and isolated and yeah i'm the main this is what i will be going through with my comedy is more I hate it. I hate being someone to talk about their age and I hate being like, oh yeah, I'm just a millennial who's like behind in life. But there is something very strange when you don't have children and you don't plan to have children and yeah, what your life looks like when you're like that and you almost have a responsibility. People who don't have children kind of need to like stick together a little bit because your rhythms are different and you need something to fill that social, those social empty, empty spots because um, obviously children you can yeah obviously crazy crazy difficult but there's always somewhere to be something to do you're connecting with other adults probably on a very regular basis um yeah so what i was thinking is i was maybe going through jokes i was hoping i would include short interviews with comedians as well so i've got one idea which is if i didn't laugh i would so the idea of turning tragedy into comedy and asking comedians about specific jokes that have been about not necessarily difficult times, but probably mainly difficult times and how we've, how you turn that into comedy and how you turn that into humor and how you dig deep enough that it's authentic, but not so deep that you're sort of picking at a scab every single time you perform a joke. Um, so I think that could be quite a nice little segment. So I'm going to see if um, anyone wants to talk about that. Um, what have I got here? I've made a few notes before I started talking. I've got something about stability and survival mode and I'm very much still trying to break out of survival mode so while I was in a um on crutches and uh, my leg was strapped up I did most of I need to do more of it and I need to revisit it time genius um, it's a course by Marie Folio who I very much love and admire and I actually got to ask her a question which was super I, I was proper I hate the word fangirly <sighs> When do we, we used to have actual adjectives for our feelings didn't we it's like oh I felt really honored and uh what other word i've saying i've lost i think we've losing it we're losing our adjectives because we use like stuff like fangirl or this is a mood or this is a vibe to just explain things which you know we could take the time to explain in more depth with actual words but yeah with with marie folio i just felt yeah very um quite nervous but super excited to talk to her and ask her a question and my question was all about how far do you plan ahead really so time genius is all about time management if that's not obvious we, we talked about survival mode and, and, and thrive mode. And I my life has been constant survival mode or 90% survival mode because basically I'm on this uh, a one-year fixed-term contract, which most people will know is like, just chill out because they will probably extend it at the end. They'll want you for longer. You know, if you're doing a good job, don't worry about it. But I spend so much of my time feeling unsettled because I don't know what's next, even though I've been feeling like that for a year and now I'm five months away from the end of the contract and my boss is like you're part of the team like don't worry about it we'll have this conversation in a few months and yet I can't I know as a freelancer for 15 years I was always worried about money even when I was earning a lot of money and part of that is because I love admin and I do like <laughs> doing sums and figuring things out like that but it's like and Marie Folio was saying like you are 
not in survival mode. You are, your head is still there. Like you need to stop. You, your, your head is still in the past because you still feel like you have to survive and you don't. Like now is the time to build. But if you're afraid to build, you know, it makes you, you kind of almost preempting stuff that will mean you'll delve like falling back into survival mode because you you exhibit so many signs of instability and uncertainty that you're actually um not that easy to be around um and it makes you anxious and then it affects your brain and how you work and your mood and everything so and i probably may no i don't think i've spoken about this before but i really i'm like what would thrive mode look like what would it look like um so that's what i'm trying to i get over survival mode and I, yeah, and I know that would have been an inbuilt thing, you know, my mum was incredible with money, sort of, <laughs> She was, she, but she was incredible with money when it was survival mode, when it was, I've got four kids, it's my job, I'm doing all this by myself, you know, four kids, one job, unreliable husband, and my mum did everything, um, and she was exceptionally good with money, but I think as soon as she got to the point where she had a really good job, and, you know, she'd created this incredible foundation for us. She didn't know how to build on it, I think. I think she didn't know how to build on that foundation because she wasn't used to it. Uh, and I think that's where I'm at at the moment, is that I I instinctively don't know how to build on the foundation that I have. I don't have a fuckload of money. I don't have massive savings, whatever. But I have a lot of solid foundations all within me, all this work experience and life experience and... You know, I know how to work for myself. I know how to earn money for myself and I know how to get a job and, and, and be part of a company. Like I, I can do both of those things. And yet you, you can so easily be pulled back every day to just being like, oh, I feel unstable. And that stability, like it's just, it's such an internal thing, isn't it? Like that's just completely mindset based. And I think of all the things I might have missed out on or could have given to myself over the last 10 years. And I think that's why I haven't saved money. So I, I used to, I saved a lot of money. And then when I went through my divorce, I spent everything because I was like, oh, well, these are the cycles of life. You, you reset because I didn't see my life as my own to build on. You go, oh, well, I'm just, oh, I guess I'm going to reset, spend everything, start again. And then that'll happen again and again. And it's like, I can't keep doing that. That's quite a, that's a terrible, terrible pattern. Um, and yeah, it does happen to people, but you shouldn't want it to happen. You shouldn't be doing the things that sort of make it inevitable. So yeah, um, that's a bit about survival mode. <laughs> I could have looked into what actual philosophers, philosophers, you know what I mean? Yeah, philosophers, psychotherapists, psychologists say about it. But no, you get the world according to me, which is basically me being like my dad because I got the world according to him with no evidence to back it up. But whatever, anything else. I want to make some uh, easy roast dinner tonight. Got chicken. Got some leeks, got some potatoes. That'll be a nice dinner. Watch the rest of the snooker. It's funny, isn't it? Once you start talking, I like I get to ten minutes and I'm like, oh my god, how am I gonna even talk for a normal amount? And then before you know it, you've been talking for um yeah, thirty five minutes, forty minutes. Okay. I, I, I honestly thought I'd been talking for an hour there, so that wasn't as long as I thought. <laughs> I'll just check the time. Right. Sod it. I'm just going to put this out. I can't be bothered to edit and to go crazy on it. Yeah. ROI. Got to be aware of the ROI. What else is there? Nothing. Yeah. I'm going to make myself some dinner. Have a nice sleep. Hopefully do some comedy writing tomorrow. 
that'll be good yeah thanks for listening touch you soon <laughs> bye